Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. But how nice is it to have full capacity for you guys, knowing how big this series is for you and Tennessee this weekend? Oh, it, it's so exciting. I, I can't wait to see, you know, all the fans in here just really cheering us on and getting loud. And and everyone on the team is just so excited for full capacity. That's uh, that's something we've we've been waiting for all season, and we finally got it. So, you know, they're going to help us. They're going to be our uh, they're going to be our tenth player out there on the field, and uh, and we're just excited. That is Gamecock's first baseman slash catcher slash designated hitter. Wes Clark uh, all fired up, all smiles yesterday as they learned that South Carolina will be 100% capacity for this weekend's matchup with Tennessee, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchup, and a a big closeout to the season. South Carolina closes out their midweek schedule on Tuesday night with a 2-0 win over App State. They finish their midweek slate 9-3 overall and now close out SEC play this weekend. And uh, a wholesome moment there from Wes Clark, who uh, was all grins uh, with, with Colin Taylor's question there after the game yesterday. And a big day for, for him as an individual as well, uh, hitting his 20th home run of the year, joining very, very elite company, and uh, an opportunity to go ahead and continue to add to that total here moving forward in the regular season, SEC play, and, of course, postseason play as well. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. This is GC Live Wednesday episode. We are presented by Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Clint is the uh, the top mortgage guy over at the Mortgage Network in Columbia, right across from Dreher High School. ClintHammond.com is how you can get in touch with him, 803-771-6933. You should see, if you're watching on, his, on the stream, you should see his information right there at chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. His NMLS number is 71597. Again, he is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network, 803-771-6933. We appreciate Clint being our primary presenting sponsor here every single day on GC Live. Chris Clark, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Uh, Good win for South Carolina last night. Not going to move the needle a ton, right, because it's App State. I think we went over at one point. I think they were even ranked at the beginning of the season, unless someone wants to correct me. But I remember early in baseball season, we were looking through South Carolina's slate and talking about how tough it was. Mark Kingston, what did he say last night? It could have killed some people, I think is what he said. Uh, real tough slate, but we were looking at the out-of-conference and that you know you play North Carolina in a game, you play Clemson in a series, you should play App State. They obviously fell off this year, have not been a very good ball club, but that's a game you need to win. Uh, where South Carolina is right now, you don't want to leave anything to chance, right? Ever since they made the top 20 and they need to get into that top 16 to have a chance at regional hosting, they have gone on and they have won a series in SEC play. They swept a series against Kentucky, which was huge. They needed to at least win that one, if not sweep it. They swept it in uh, in very convincing fashion. 
You take care of business at home against App State, and that leaves a giant one against Tennessee. 100% capacity and even more motivation, Wes, than getting a regional host, which is anyone's goal in college baseball. Get in the tournament. Be a regional host. Now you got the dangling carrot possibility of being able to have a full house for the NCAA tournament as well if you're able to host a regional. Yeah, and uh, the news, I don't know if the news has been made official yet or not, but the news, it sounds like, will be made official. Uh, according to Kendall Rogers, which if it, when it comes to baseball stuff, you can just take it to the bank if he reports something, um, essentially saying that they will be moving to 100% capacity for NCAA host regional sites, um, assuming that those areas allow for it with their other regulations, which obviously with South Carolina, if if it's in Columbia, we're seeing this weekend, 100% at Founders Park. So, yeah, if South Carolina can take care of business, put themselves in that position, then all of a sudden you, you may have a complete playoff atmosphere for some regionals at, at Founders Park. And I, I believe you'll have a playoff atmosphere this weekend as well. Very first, um, you know, 100% capacity game on Thursday. This is, again, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. So if you want to get out there, uh, as of this live recording, still tickets available, I believe, for all three. So go check it out. Saturday is a noon game. So a little bit different there, a little bit different setup, but an opportunity to get out there and, and see some baseball if you haven't already this year, or if you just want to experience a great atmosphere Hopefully the the fans will get out there and and pack the place for this baseball team that has battled through ups, downs, everything in between, and and put themselves in a position against a really good Tennessee team to be able to host. Now, you know, Chris, I I don't know exactly what you have to do on the resume. You know, it's hard to predict what a committee will do because it's across sports. It seems to be different from year to year. Exactly. And sometimes it's different from team to team what they even decide to highlight as their reasonings for doing something. Yeah. Now you look right now, you know, I, I pulled up the live RPI, uh, Warren Nolan, South Carolina is 11th in the country. Tennessee is ninth in the country right now. Um, you know, you sort of got the impression. And again, I, you know, I'll lean on, on Kendall Rogers, the guys from D1 baseball, um, you know, Aaron fit that group. I know Kendall maybe ticked off a couple of South Carolina fans by saying he was surprised that that South Carolina wasn't or that South Carolina was in the top twenty. But let let's be honest, y'all. You can get ticked off as a fan base, but Kendall has the goods when it comes to information. So uh, you know that that tells me South Carolina was probably right on that border. Now since then, they've gone and they've gone to Kentucky. Swept the Wildcats. Not that Kentucky was some great team, but it gives you three additional SEC wins on your resume. On the road, which as we know in the RPI, that that is very helpful when you win road games. I think Kentucky at the time was in the 50s in the RPI there. So that's those are good, solid wins. Take care of business. Midweek, App State, that's something you needed to do. And now a big opportunity this weekend. I tend to think, if, if you find a way to take two out of three, that puts you at 17 and 13 in SEC play. And if you can avoid just getting 
knocked out without any W's. And depending on the seeding, you can either go one and out at uh, you know in Hoover at the SEC tournament, or if you if you bump up to a high enough seed, you're, you're automatically in the sort of two two game elimination stuff. Point being, win at least a game in Hoover. And granted, none of this happens in a vacuum, Chris. It's all dependent on what the other teams that are also right there in the same conversation as you. So, you know, I, I tend to think what, one thing that's going to hurt South Carolina with with Ole Miss being right there is the fact that Ole Miss swept South Carolina head-to-head. But if you look at the resumes, if you can get two out of three and win a game in Hoover, to me, you probably have a pretty daggum good case to, to be a, a regional host. Yeah, it's not like these decisions are easy. And you make a great point, and you said it, the other day too on Monday that these things don't happen in a vacuum. It's, it's almost like uh, recruiting rankings. Like, well, if, if South Carolina lands 10, four star prospects, where are they going to be in the rankings? I don't know. It depends on what the other schools do. There are formulas for all this. And Hey man, there are teams in that top 20 that you would think are, they have resumes that are kind of similar to South Carolina. Now, some might have a couple more wins, whatever it may be. But you, you think about this mismatch of teams. Florida's on there, for example. Florida's a team who's a really good team. They, uh, they've they been excellent at home this year. They have a good conference record. I think, Wes, I don't have it up anymore. I think they even have a couple – maybe they have a couple more wins or another win in conference in South Carolina. But Gamecocks obviously won that series and swept it, right? Then you got Ole Miss, who – from a record standpoint, it's a little bit better than South Carolina. Um, but they uh, swept the Gamecocks, like you said. Then you've got some teams that are out of the conference, like a, a Gonzaga, for instance, which has been a, a good story this year, that, you know, are really good, a really good team as well. So you do have to cut it down a little bit more. It there Whoever gets left out, you know, there might be a team out there, maybe a South Carolina that – this final weekend happens, a tournament, like you said, Wes, and you might feel like from a resume standpoint that they should be in or they have a good case, but they may get left out. There are lots of good teams, you know, in here um, that, that have a chance. And so I think this final weekend is obviously going to be big for that. If you're South Carolina, you need to take care of business and, and try to win this series. Don't leave that part to chance. And then, you know, you see what happens going forward. Florida West, I did mention, I think they had, yeah, they do have, two more conference wins in South Carolina right now. They're 17 and 10 in the conference. Of course, lost the series to the Gamecocks. Their final weekend series is at Arkansas. So that's a, that's going to be tough sledding for them. That's going to be a difficult one, but they're in a similar position probably, I would think, and that they're going to play a really, really good team. They have to go on the road. They have to go against Arkansas. Uh, who just narrowly beat Tennessee in a series, they are probably thinking, hey, we got to take care of business. So all these final games uh, are, are crucial, crucial to these teams. And even even if you go and you do pretty well for yourself at the end of the year, it's possible you get left out. And, and that's what, you know, going back to what you said, is there even a magic formula for the Gamecocks to get there? You know, if they if they win two of three against Tennessee – and then they they equip themselves fairly well in the SEC tournament. You don't have to go out there and win the thing or anything. 
you know, what is that number? We really don't know. And part of it is there's a lot of good teams and things don't happen in a vacuum, like you said. Yeah, I, I just I tend to think, and, and I will say this, um, I think you can check mark one thing, and that's that you're you're firmly in the tournament. You know, now that that's not even a for most of the year, that's not a discussion. Like South Carolina's been firmly in; they've been in the mix for um, being a host for for most of the year. But then you look at losing, uh, you know, getting swept at Ole Miss, losing a couple of games in a row to Mississippi State, and all of a sudden that little cushion that South Carolina had built as far as their SEC record, the cushion completely disappeared, and and they're sitting there at, at five hundred, and you know, you start to say. Well, you think they're in just because of the schedule, but then, you know, a, a twelve and, you know, a, a twelve and eighteen or a thirteen and seventeen SEC record, uh, that has traditionally not held up very well when it's come to postseason play. You would think South Carolina would have done enough to get in, but that they maybe start to become part of that discussion. Um, so I I think that if you look and you sort of say, okay, let's start checking off goals. And to me, you've checked off that goal because, uh, you know, SEC Network keeps putting up that that graphic. I think if you get to 15 SEC wins in a year, and I'm assuming they mean re- just regular season SEC victories. I don't know that for a fact. Historically, 76% of those teams have gotten into the NCAA tournament. Well, South Carolina in a position where with their strength of schedule, they're definitely in. So you can sort of check that off, I think. Now, once you get to 16 SEC wins, 100% of those teams historically have made it into the NCAA tournament. So if you want to benchmark, South Carolina has sort of checked off that first box. Now, you know, to get yourself into actually hosting a regional, um, again, I, I just think South Carolina built up a lot of goodwill especially with the metrics with their wins, uh, you know, as the year has gone on, I mean, they're, they're 12 and 16 against quadrant and quadrant one games. And now if you add quadrant two games into that, they're six and zero in quadrant two games. So um, that puts them what 18 and 16, uh, 18. Yeah. 18 and 16 combined quadrant one and quadrant two games. And then they really have not lost games to their credit. They have taken care of business against teams they're supposed to beat um, except for maybe one let down along the way. So uh, I think it's been sort of a roller coaster of a year, but at the same time, as far as doing what they're supposed to do and beating the teams they're supposed to beat, this team has actually done that. And, and the three in Kentucky plus one against App State this week, I, I think certainly puts them in a place to, to feel good about where they are and you know, going into this series, I, I kind of wish we had Colin Taylor on today now that I think about it because it's a, with it being a Thursday, Friday, Saturday game. Um, but I, I'll say this, man, I, I think Will Sanders has adjusted to his new role out of the bullpen. Um, I, I guess he is essentially South Carolina's closer now. And, uh, you know, apparently pitched a, a really good ninth inning yesterday. That was actually a close game, uh, two to nothing. You know, South Carolina controlled the game, but it was a close game. And you know that that may be a spot where uh, where he can he can excel and, and maybe maybe swapping those two is actually has actually been a really good move for South Carolina because I think Brett Carey has proved he can go through an order several times and still get people out. 
Well, and that was that's huge for the pitching staff. And, and we don't know, you know, Will Sanders obviously uh, get into SEC play in the latter part of the season. He'd been so impressive, you know, the beginning, the middle part competition ratcheted up probably even more, you know, when you start facing the Mississippi schools and Arkansas, all those teams and, and scuffled a little bit. And so they shift some things around. Obviously, like you said, the flip flop was, was Brett Carey into that starting role. He was about as good as you could be in that one start and South Carolina hopes that continues for sure. But with some of the pitching, you know, depth, you know, they still have it right. But it's different now. Because you do take your best bullpen guy in Brett Carey. He can do everything from long relief to be your closer to obviously be a starting pitcher. You flip-flop those guys. You lose Jack Mahoney. Like you said, Wes, that was your your sort of fourth starter maybe, your midweek type of guy, and you lose him. And so now you look at your bullpen and there's you know Jack, there's no Jack Mahoney who could pitch out of the bullpen and has and, and done a good job with that. And then there's no Brett Carey there. So you put in Will Sanders, who is still a freshman, as talented as he is. You know, Colin Taylor said it, potential first-round type talent down the road um, if he continues progressing. But it is more of a question. But for Mark Kingston, for South Carolina, the feel was that they needed to, you know, change that rotation up and get a little bit more. And so that's why you see Jordan – Far on the back end, you see Carey sandwiched in the middle. And so far, since they've made those moves, the returns have been pretty good. It's, again, you know, Tennessee is going to be a bigger challenge than Kentucky, certainly than App State. We're going to have to keep the bats going, not strike out as much, get the ball in play. There's there's a lot of different things there, but the pitching move with Brett Carey is one that could end up paying off. What's up to everybody that's already joined us in the chat, by the way? I see T. I see Johnny from Ohio joining us. Hope, what's up? Uh, the Mac and Dino podcast is in. Uh, Phil is in. Sydney is in. Stickman is in. Um, yes, Sydney, they have already named the starters for this weekend, and it's going to be the same rotation as last week. So, um, Jordan on Friday, um, Brett Carey, well, not Friday, sorry, game one, Thursday, then uh, Carey on Friday, game two and Thomas Farr on Saturday, which is game three. Uh, what's up to Fred as well? Let's talk a little football, a little bit of recruiting. And, Chris, you know, I don't know if we can necessarily say this is news yet. I don't, I don't We don't know if this is going to be news, but let, let's speculate a little bit because there there's an interesting new addition to the transfer portal here um, as of this week, and that is Marshall's Kane Madden. Uh, someone, you know, and, and, you know, when this name popped up, I was like, why, where do I know that name? Why do I know that name? <laughs> and the reason we know that name is from when we were researching the addition or the potential addition of O-line coach Greg Adkins. I remember we were looking, trying to see who's he developed, how did his lines perform? And then this guy, Kane Madden, kept popping up. I think he was one of the guys that PFF was really, really high on as far as their grades for him. Um, a, a guy that's that's got basically all the different accolades you want from an offensive lineman. Second team All-American, Walter Camp. Uh, a guy that ha- has gone through a, really an entire career at Marshall. Been exceptional on the offensive line. Still has a year available and uh, now has entered his name into the transfer portal. To be clear, 
and let Chris, unless you've gotten something in the last 30 minutes or so, I don't know if we know yet if South Carolina is involved here, but an interesting guy to maybe keep an eye on just because there is a very direct relationship here, a direct connection to South Carolina in that he was coached by offensive line coach Greg Atkins at Marshall. Yeah, and so I, I, I will double down on what you said. We, we don't know yet if there's definitely going to be a South Carolina tie-in. For instance, uh, out of all the different guys who've been monitoring in the transfer portal since Shane Beamer came on board, obviously some were the 2021 class, some they've monitored for 2022 in terms of possible transfer portal guys. Haven't heard an offensive lineman really come up yet, right? There have been pass rushers, been wide receivers, DBs, quarterback with Jason Brown, uh, who, who they added in the 21 class. I haven't really heard of many offensive linemen. I'm sure there have been some they've taken a look at. Kane Madden's a guy that any school is going to take a look at, I would think. Now, was there enough of a need to go that route? Will they go that route? Does Kane Madden already have something in mind? I don't know. What we do know is this. Uh, he is very close to Greg Atkins. Atkins coached him for three seasons at Marshall. Madden, a, a cool story, originally went to Marshall as a preferred walk-on. And he's been there actually five seasons. He was a redshirt senior last year. I don't know why he didn't go pro. A lot of people have asked that. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but he, because of the free COVID year that every college football player got last year, he did have an extra year of eligibility. Looked like he was going to go back to Marshall. Now he's choosing to move on. So he is close with Adkins. And one of the best offensive linemen in the country last year, Wes, just by you look at what he did, you watch tape, you you look at the All-American accolades that you mentioned, PFF grades, as we know, they can be, you know, it's a good reference point. It's not something you need to take as the absolute gospel. You know, you, this is exactly what you have to go by and nothing else. But let me give you just a little bit of a, you know, a, a reference point here at PFF. K. Madden was ranked as the fourth highest graded offensive lineman in the country last year, ahead of Landon Dickerson from Alabama. The three guys that were ahead of him, right ahead of him, Brady Christensen, who went to our Carolina Panthers in the third round west from BYU. He was number one. Christian Darisaw from Virginia Tech was a first-round pick. He went 24th overall in the draft. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State was a second-round NFL draft pick. So one from each round, one through three, right in front of Kane Madden, who was number four. And Marshall had one of the best offensive lines in the country last year. They had a, Josh Ball was a really good player for them, Will Ulmer. They had several guys who were really good. Kane Madden, some people think, may have been the best of the bunch. So very, very intriguing portal addition just in college football in general, but could, because of that Gamecock tie-in to Greg Atkins, might be something we're going to be watching going forward. You know what I think is petty, Chris? What's that? I think it's petty when, uh, and I'm assuming this is a petty thing and not just, uh, you know, a tech glitch or something, because I've seen this before. When a guy hits the transfer portal and their school immediately removes the bio from the uh, fr- from their page. That one I mean, hit that- fast, too, with Kane Madden. It was quick. Yeah, if you, if you Google Kane Madden right now, the first, the first thing that pops up, Kane Madden, dash football, dash Marshall University Athletics. Click that sucker, 404 not found. So they, <laughs> they deleted this man off the internet 
because they were so mad that he left after he gave them five years. Right. Right? Five years. I mean, it, it's not like he just got out of Dodge right off the bat. Like, he gave you some time. You had a coaching change, mind you. Yeah. And, and you let and you, you delete him off the internet. To me, that's salty. That's petty. Whatever word you want to use, like, come on, guys. Help. Help. People are going to be now searching for your kid, right? They're going to be looking for information on him. You're making it that much harder. I know that. I mean, the information in the bio isn't – it's not like state secrets or something, but you're going to make it that much harder for people to gather information about your guy when he just gave you five years of his life and is probably a graduate. I would I would know if he was a graduate if I could look at his stupid bio, but you deleted it. So, I like – how, why, I don't understand. Like, that's petty. Marshall, you got to do better. I don't know who makes that decision. Maybe SID, maybe coach, I don't know. But you got to do better than that. Um, as for South Carolina, as you've said, man, this will be interesting because of the position. If Kane Madden was a lockdown cornerback, then they'd probably already have him on the phone. Um and and who knows? They I, I would imagine assume, assuming Kane Madden and Greg Atkins had a good relationship, which you would think they did, um, with Atkins being there for so long and and Kane Madden performing as well as he did, you would think Madden would reach out to Atkins regardless and just say either either A, just you know, are y'all interested, or B coach who do you think I should look at? Mm-hmm. Um, even just a more general conversation, you know. But for South Carolina, they they need DBs still. And from what we've heard, by the way, even though obviously they, they added Tyree Cross, you know, 100%, they've still been in the market for defensive backs. I know of cases where they've talked to a graduate transfer linebacker or a transfer linebacker, I should say. And – so we know they're still kicking the tires out there in the transfer market. That's it's not the roster is not completely set. Now, to me, if you're going to take a guy with one year, and that that would be the case here, one year player, you still have to use one of your 25. And for those who aren't recruiting nerds like us, your 25, you get 25 every single year. You get 85 total as far as scholarships go. Now. That 25 still counts as one of your 25, whether the kid comes in as a true freshman or whether he comes in as a fifth-year graduate, actually sixth-year in this case, senior with one year of eligibility left. So there there are probably some long-term effects on your roster of spending a bunch of your 25s on guys with not much eligibility left. That would be an interesting study about the the effects of taking a bunch of guys with four or five years of eligibility versus one year of eligibility. So to me, if you're going to spend the 25, the 85, those don't even matter anymore, in my opinion. There's going to be so many transfers. You, you'll get below 85. Every team will get below 85. Not going to be a problem. The 25s will be a problem. So to me, Chris, if I'm spending a 25 on a one-year, I have to be either A, in dire straits at that position, which arguably South Carolina probably was at that position as far as numbers at DB. 
Yeah. And they took a one-year guy, Carlin Splatel. O-line, you're not in dire straits. So cut that off. But two, if they're an automatic starter, like they're going to come in, and if anybody should know that, it's probably Greg Atkins. He's worked with this kid every single day. You know, so let's look. All right, so first of all, he's an interior lineman. So you cut it down from the offensive tackles to the guards and centers. He's an interior lineman. Um, I, I will say this, looking at his bio, which does still exist on ESPN, thank you. Um, this is not some guy the, – the one thing I was wondering is how, how big is he? Is he like somebody that's excelled at a little bit lesser level but is going to be run over in SEC? Six foot three, 313 pounds. That, if, if you're a technician, that is plenty big enough to play in the SEC, in my opinion. Not necessarily, it's not on the big side anymore for interior guys because interior guys are massive now, but plenty big enough to play in the SEC. So then you say, all right, is he, is he a definite starter? South Carolina right now, I think in the mix on the interior, you have Eric Douglas, returning starter at center. You have Javon Gwynn, returning starter at guard. And then based on what we saw this spring, Jalen Nichols was sort of your your other starter at guard. So that's sort of your three guys at those three positions. You would say, what, Jordan Rhodes is probably pushing into the mix there. He's maybe the next guy off the bench on the interior. And then uh, Vinny Murphy actually got a lot of attention, some positive praise from Greg Atkins. So then you compare the risk-reward of spending one of your 25s on – you know, a guy who's going to be there for one year and how much of an impact could he make? Um, we have incomplete information at this point because we don't know what Adkins sees specifically about his guys he's inherited and came Madden. But, Chris, that is the way I would sort of uh, frame all of this as far as the decision South Carolina has to make. Yeah, for sure. And and it is it's it's not just as simple as that guy's a good player, go get him. You know, you do have a lot of roster considerations and especially South Carolina, the high number of transfers that they took in t- 2021, guys with varying levels of eligibility, right, that are going to count against the 25 even in this class. Look at transfers like Ross that you mentioned. All these guys count somewhere. They they're not just pulled from thin air, you know. <laughs> You know, professional sports, you have to deal with a salary cap and all those different rules. You don't do that in college. But what you do deal with is scholarship limitations and things like that. And it is, you know, with the direction that the game is going, being more player driven, being more friendly to players in terms of transfers and things like that, it is going to be, you know, it's going to create some management issues with that. So the thing with Kane Madden is you at least – have that conversation if you have a chance with him because of the ties. And he's a good player. It's not just, ah, this is some second-team offensive lineman from Marshall. No, he's a, he's a really good player. And then you have the ties with Adkins. A couple strength ties. I mean, remember Luke Day came from Marshall on the strength staff. Um, he's he's the guy there. And then Nate Sedergren, who is an assistant at Carolina, was an assistant for Luke Day at Marshall. So uh, numerous ties there. Um, but it's a decision that South Carolina will have to make. And then, obviously, Kane Madden, again, we're, we're working right now at 135 on a Wednesday. Announcement just came out today about Kane Madden announcing his intentions to enter the portal. So we we don't know right now 
you know, what the line of thinking is with both parties. Yeah, sorry, y'all. Uh, I'm trying to figure out who just called me. Um, yeah, what's up, uh, Craig? He's on the golf course. Uh, hope you're hitting him straight out there, man. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where this goes. I would imagine as this week goes along, Chris, we'll probably get a little bit more information on, on hey, this is this is a guy to watch, this is a guy not to watch, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see where it goes. Who knows? Um, but uh, I do think um, – Starting to get to that point where if you're looking at the the roster for, for 2021, as I said in one of the shows earlier this week, I think, or on the show earlier this week, a lot of the guys are reporting June 1 um, or reporting to start class in June 1. You have a June 22nd report day as well. Point being, you're getting to the point where you know who's going to be on campus. There could still be some summer additions, and we still don't know exactly – when Tyreek, that's something I've tried to get clarification on. When Tyreek Ross will be able to report to South Carolina, he's obviously going to have to count forward to 2022. And um, you know, I, I think I think looking at his situation, the uh, when the punter and the kicker came in last year, they counted forward, but actually were able to go ahead and get on campus. So, is there a situation there where maybe he? I actually talked to Tyreek Ross uh, yesterday, and he said he was going to find out by the end of this week when he to be when he would be allowed to be on campus, when he would get to South Carolina. So, um, will be point being, you're starting to see the actual roster come together. You're running out of time to like truly put together the entire roster. So we'll, we'll see these things will start to become clear, and the month of June is going to be a massive month as we've talked about several times now as South Carolina dives in to uh 2022 recruiting. So you're kind of doing two things at once. You're you're really working on what will be the foundation of this 2022 class and seeing if there are any finishing touches you put on 2021 while knowing and this is a habit I think South Carolina ultimately has to try to work their way out of that you may be pushing guys forward and when I say pushing them forward I mean, they're coming in to play in 2021, but they're counting towards 2022. Ultimately, every time you do that, you put yourself in a position to maybe have to do it again next year. So that's a habit I think South Carolina ultimately would maybe want to get out of, but you're sort of, that's just where you are right now. So that's another consideration for me if I'm South Carolina is do I want to pull another one from my next cycle in order to count it towards this cycle. Yeah, that, that management is a difficult thing with where South Carolina has been. And, and look, they've already gone through that with that 21 class. They have a bunch of guys, again, varying uh, varying classes, varying amounts of eligibility remaining uh, that, that they, they've had to move around a lot. Of, you've had to play around with the numbers a lot. And so there were certain spots, DBB and one West, where – and look, I'm not saying South Carolina was adding bodies. That's just not what I'm saying at all. But there's a different threshold and a different level of, you know, for instance, if South Carolina was going to take another, you know, say a pass rusher or, or an O lineman from the portal, those are positions that, from a numbers standpoint and talent standpoint, they're in better shape than, say, defensive back. That's just, that's obvious, you know. So there's a different threshold of, hey, do you want to spend a scholarship on this guy? 
you want to take away one from this 22 class, you want to take one away from next year's class, whatever it may be, in order to get them in. So it's a great point there. And looking looking to the summer, you know, just a general point about high school recruiting even is, you know, this staff, you know, you're, you're talking about setting the foundation for 22. Nowadays in recruiting, that's done so far in advance. This staff had to set that foundation with guys over Zoom, not being able to have them on campus, completely new staff together, program that just won six games in the past couple seasons. So there are a lot of considerations there, too, where to some degree uh, you're really playing catch up with a lot of those guys. The good news is uh, you have a lot of them set to come on campus this summer, whether it's for camps, a lot of official visits already scheduled, unofficial visits already scheduled for 22 guys and beyond. So this summer is going to be huge. Uh, for the 22 class, for sure, in, in getting some of those guys in for the first time. Now you do get to legitimately start set, you know, setting that foundation for the 23 class, for the 24 class, because you can finally get guys on campus. Speaking of the 23s, an interesting addition to the state of South Carolina and to the Midlands would be uh, Chris Lawson, a, a kid that we've been uh, we've written about before on Gamecock Central. He's at Huff High School, or he was at Huff High School, had an offer from the former South Carolina staff, and uh, the the new South Carolina staff has been in touch. But uh, someone that I, you know, I, I think as far as South Carolina fans go, it, it it never it never hurts when you bring that guy much closer to your campus, you know. So I, I think a, a guy that maybe liked the Gamecocks in the first place, but you get him right down the road at Ridgeview now, easy access. You can get him on your campus at, at about any time. He's going to be at South Carolina, I believe, on June 3rd for his uh, his camp stop at, at South Carolina to try to sort of solidify, uh, I would guess, a reoffer from from the new staff. But a kid that I, you know, I think you're a little bit more familiar with than I am, Chris. But uh, will be a nice addition to this state of, of South Carolina. Yeah, he, he is a guy that's going to be able to be sort of higher in that pecking order when you think about state rankings for that class really haven't taken shape as much, especially with sort of a weird 2020 football season in the state of South Carolina. Uh, but he's going to have a chance to have a say from from what we know. So like you laid it out perfectly, the old, the old staff offered. New one's been in touch. New staff likes him. Want to take a look. And so June 3rd is the very first day of Shane Beamer camp. It's going to kick off this summer. He'll be in for that first session and you know, Lawson, interestingly, uh, already has ties to Columbia's from this area originally. Uh, I think he had a family member go to Ridgeview, I believe. So that that's the tie-in for that school and, and why he's heading back there. So, yeah, I mean, obviously he played at Huff, which is in Charlotte previously. So that's a, a quick drive for, for a guy that South Carolina is considering and that's considering South Carolina. But this helps you out arguably a little bit more. So, if Carolina decides to offer and push again, probably a guy to, to keep a close eye on in that 23 class. And you always, I, I think, want to take care of home, want to take care of your state, and certainly want to take care of the Midlands if you're South Carolina. Anybody that's in your general area that is a potential difference maker, you got to prioritize and, and make and make sort of um, – a guy that you, that you at least get involved with and, and learn about and find out if that's the direction you want to go. But I would also say the fact that Lawson is going to be at South Carolina day one of camp, generally, in my opinion, generally to me, says something about a kid's interest level 
as well. So that, that's probably a good sign for South Carolina too. Chris, you had an insider report up today, uh, this morning. GamecockCentral.com subscribers should uh, go check that out. And uh, you want to give a little preview or, or or what else is going on in the world of recruiting that you think uh, we have not covered, man? Well, I, th- I think uh, one thing to keep in mind, I don't know, Wes, if we've actually talked about this one on the show that much. We, we might have. I don't remember saying his name, though. That's that's on the show. I might have efforted it at some point. But um, Tomiwa Darajiai. No, I messed up the last name already. It's definitely it's Tomiwa. I think we did talk about this. It's sort of coming back to me now. Uh, but Tomiwa Darajiai. Darajiai. I think it's Darajiai. We need to pull up the audio of Zach Bloom, who's the head coach at Middletown, Delaware, to sue this and to tell us how to pronounce this guy's name. But the teammate of four-star quarterback Braden Davis, he released his top eight recently. Um, he's a guy that's not on the docket for a visit. He took a self-guided tour to South Carolina for the spring game. Gamecocks in the top eight. Gamecocks in that one. Uh, but I let off with that in the insider report. Mentioned another a Virginia prospect that does not have an offer or another DMV area prospect from Virginia that does not have an offer that's going to be in town. Uh, We talked about Ryan Brubaker, uh, who is a four-star from Pennsylvania. Had a little bit of a note on another prospect from Pennsylvania who's actually a JUCO offensive lineman West that South Carolina has been keeping in touch with. But to go with Brubaker, that's one that's been interesting. It's picked up a little social media traction. Um, it's definitely picked up some traction on the insiders for him because he's a four-star guy out of Pennsylvania whose dad played for Penn State. But South Carolina made his final five with Penn State, Stanford, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Uh, interesting kid. Loves the Gamecock staff with Greg Atkins, Shane Beamer. He's slated to be in town the weekend of June 11th. And we saw Wes on Twitter that Braden Davis, the quarterback commitment, as well as Grayson Maines, who is committed on the offensive line to Carolina, both sort of showing some love, plugging plug the Gamecocks towards Ryan Brubaker. So that's definitely one that's going to be uh, worth monitoring pretty heavily going forward. Yeah, we'll be monitoring that. And, of course, um, everything else going on in the world of South Carolina recruiting as things kick off, I guess, in um, – wow, we're, we're under two weeks. So uh, wow. two weeks from yesterday, two weeks from Tuesday will be uh, June 1, and that will officially kick off. Uh, the recruiting in-person recruiting visits with uh, camps being allowed, visits being allowed, and recruiting getting back, for the most part, being back uh, close to normal or as close to normal as we can possibly be. So uh, I think we're going to cut it short at that point here, though. I I think that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back on Friday. By that point, South Carolina will have played one game against Tennessee. We'll have a better idea of where that series is going, probably be joined by Colin Taylor, and uh, whatever has happened in the world of Gamecock football recruiting between now and then, we'll be discussing that as well. And then once we get into June, it will be uh, it will be heavy with the information here on uh, GC Live and, of course, on GamecockCentral.com. For Chris, I'm Wes. I appreciate everybody that joined us, and uh, we'll see you all on Friday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.